Welcome to Unquenchable Love with Brian Francis Hume. Each week, Brian will present a Christ-centered teaching to increase your passion for the Godhead. It is our hope that this podcast will be a burning lamp that leads you on a path to encounter God's unquenchable love for you. And now our host, Brian Francis Hume. I was in my last semester of college, and as a young 22 years of old, the, the world was before me in terms of uh, possibilities, aspirations, and hope. And in that last semester, I was uh, taking classes part-time as I was also in the process of birthing a campus ministry. And as I had my eyes set on May 14, 1997, which was graduation day, I knew that beyond that was going to be an invitation to step into full-time campus ministry. And so there was an excitement, but it was somewhat of an apprehension because, you know, I was, uh, I was uh, just overwhelmed, you know, like, oh, Lord, can I really do that? And so I remember one morning, it was Sunday morning in March of 97, I woke up and immediately the verse from 1 Kings chapter 19 uh, came to me. And let me read the verse to you guys in 1 Kings 19, 1 Kings 19, we're going to look at verses, uh, I'm going to read verse uh, 16, but the primary focus is going to be on 19 through 21. So the context is Elijah coming out of a difficult moment. And so in verse 16, the Lord speaks to Elijah and says, Also you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abel, Mehola, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. Verse 19. So as he departed from there, he found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he was with the, the 12th. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? So Elijah turned from him and took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. Now that morning when, when I woke up, that was the very verse of Elijah throwing his mantle on Elijah as he plowing the field that came to me in that, in that moment. And so as I was getting ready for church that morning, I was, uh, I was just contemplating what, why did that 
specific passage come to mind. And so I jumped in my car to go over to another campus nearby to pick up a few of my friends. And I thought, well, maybe this verse was for one of them. Could I, uh, and so I remember I, I specifically uh, shared that verse with one specific friend of mine uh, as we were driving to, to the church that morning. And so we get to church and wonderful time of worship. Uh, Pastor Larry preached an amazing message. And he was up front closing the, uh, the service. And I was sitting way in the back. And I had, you know, long hair and, you know, these baggy jeans and, uh, you know, just kind of an interesting looking guy. And, uh, and so Larry's up front. And I, I remember he said something to the effect. And again, you know, he was trying to close things up. But then suddenly he said, is there anybody here that just wants God with everything they have? And when I heard that sitting in the back, I jumped out of my chair and I ran down the middle of the aisle because man my heart was hungry for God I was, a new, I was somewhat of a new believer a new follower of Christ but man when he said those words you ever had somebody say some, those words they ask a question and something in you just like stir just stirred up it speaks deeply to your heart so I ran down the middle and I think I kind of caught him off guard you know Larry he just looked at me for a second and then he turned to it, uh, one of the, uh, there was a gentleman up front, and he said, go grab my jacket. So this guy turned around, ran over, grabbed his, his sport jacket, and brought it over to him. So Larry looked at him and said, just as Elijah threw his mantle on Elijah, so this day I throw my mantle on you. And he threw a jacket at me. And when I, you know, this is all just happening so fast. And I, I caught the jacket. Now, now keep in mind, I, I am not one that's ever been, prone to a courtesy drop, if you know what I'm saying. I mean, I, I get it. I understand. Sometimes we just, you know, just got to be courteous. But in that moment, when I went, I'm 20 years old, I caught the jacket and bam, the power of God hit me and went flying back on the ground under the presence of God, just ministering to my heart. Now, in that moment, something happened in my life. Something marked me. It was God releasing his call upon my life. Now, when I woke, when I, when I woke up, when I got up, I wasn't necessarily a different person per se in that moment. But something had shifted in my heart. And it was almost like God began to do something radical in a very deep, deep way in my life as a young man. And so oftentimes God comes to us through moments and he, he just, he has a way of t making tailor made moments for you and I that can be vastly different from other stories that we hear and even examples seen in the scripture in terms of hearing God's calling and receiving that call from him. But I believe with all my heart that regardless of the call that God bestows on us through Christ, that we are absolutely, you and I, are called 
to be mantled in Christ. And that's what I want to talk about. It's what the Lord put on my heart for tonight and tomorrow night. That we're going to be mantled in Christ. Okay? So does that sound good to you guys? And so, so when we talk about a mantle, we are we want to look at the mantle through the eyes of the new covenant. And not necessarily through the eyes of the old covenant. But we want to look at the mantle through the eyes of the new covenant because when we do so, we look at it through Christ. And if if you know anything about the the scriptures in terms of the new new testament, we know that that Christ is our all in all. He is the supremacy of all things. And we desire to to walk in a place of our inheritance in Christ in terms of what he's already given to us and not trying to reach for something that he has already put before us. And so we're going to look at tonight, uh, we're going to look at understanding our authority in Christ. Because I believe there's two aspects of our mantle that God wants to uh, bring revelation to us on. That is the authority of the believer and the anointing of the Spirit. So tomorrow we'll, we'll dive into the anointing of God, the anointing of the Spirit of God. But tonight we're going to talk a bit about the authority. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. So when we talk about authority through the lens of the new covenant, we, we need to understand the story. And the story begins in the garden. And the story begins with a man named Adam. Now, when we look at the story of the, uh, the creation of Adam, we have to understand that in the Hebrew language, Adam is the word for uh, mankind. And so when we look at what happened in the garden with Adam, in terms of God speaking and, and assigning responsibility to Adam, we can have confidence and understanding that what God intended for Adam he intended for all of us. And so that's a pretty simple principle, but it's absolutely imperative we understand because God intended for us as sons and daughters through the finished work of the cross to, to, uh, to be those that walk with authority, God-given authority that he has given to us. Because when God created Adam in the garden, he set him and Eve to, to rule over the, the, the land, rule over the, the animals and the, the flying things and the creeping things. And so there is a delegated authority that was entrusted to Adam by God to, to rule in the garden of Eden. And so likewise, we... Can understand, we can have confidence before the Father that he has entrusted to us as a part of our calling an area or a sphere 
to, uh, to exercise the authority that he's given to us. And so, so in the beginning, we see that reality, that principle embedded within Scripture, and we also see that in that moment that Adam and Eve forfeited that authority when they uh, partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They essentially forfeited. They, they laid down their authority. And so in that moment, there was unfortunately a transfer of authority in terms of who had the dominion in the earth realm. And obviously we know that it was the serpent that deceived them in that moment. And so, so Satan was able to usurp Adam and Eve and, and, and able to, uh, to gain that which was not rightfully his through their disobedience. And so, so let's fast forward to, uh, to the cross. And so, actually, let's fast forward just a few days after the cross in Matthew 28, because now we see Jesus himself who has victoriously overcome Satan through the crucifixion, the death and burial, and resurrection. So we see in Matthew 28, the very words of the Son of God speaking. And he said, starting verse 18, Matthew 28, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the ages. Amen. So recognize here in verse 18, Jesus himself is now declaring that all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So that which was lost in the garden through disobedience. Now, Jesus, through his obedience, has restored, has, has gained, has uh, taken back, probably the better word to use, the authority that was lost through disobedience. And he entrusts the disciples with that authority to go forth and make disciples of all nations. Now that is something worth getting excited about. If, uh, now I obviously am not a scholar. I'm not a Greek scholar by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but if I were ever to... Uh, to do a uh, passion translation, you know, Brian Francis Hume passion translation, you know, 
my words and you know in this particular text might sound something like uh you know and i have kicked the devil's butt and he is a defeated foe and i've taken back the authority that adam lost before but now it's yours <laughs> And so, so when we are born again by the Spirit of God, He graciously and kindly allows us to, to exercise that authority that was lost previously in the garden. And I want to talk tonight, if we can just take maybe about 12 to 15 minutes, and then we'll wrap it up. But I want to talk just briefly on the importance of learning to exercise your authority as a son or a daughter of God. You know, there's, there's a term that I've heard others use before, and I don't really know who originated it, but I remember uh, years ago hearing someone mention uh, it in the context of Reese Howells. How many of you read the classic book, Reese Howells' Intercessor by Norman Grubb? one of my favorite books. Ah, man. And, uh, man, I think just, it provokes me, it convicts me, it inspires me all at once when I read those pages. And so I'm read, I, every time I read through that book, you, you, you read about a man that walks through the dealings of God within his heart. And the process that he takes Reese through is a process to, to, to mature him in the place of authority so that he can not only have some sort of head knowledge about his authority as a believer, but he has the heart revelation of exercising that authority in a place of prayer and intercession. And so Reese Howells, because of the dealings of God, God would work in him through this process to ensure that he had understanding and revelation of the authority he had as a son of God. And somebody along the way coined that idea as, uh, as earned authority. Now, it's not earned that we somehow earn it in our own strength. But it's the dealing of God taking us through trials and tribulations so that what is only a, a head knowledge becomes the heart revelation. That when, when you begin to speak, man, things begin to shift. I remember years ago, I'm getting ahead of myself. Years ago, I was going through a difficult time. And it was... Uh, it would have been, I think, right before Simone was born. But there were, as a young man, had been unresolved sin issues in my life that I never dealt with. And I brought them into the marriage. Not a good thing. And so my wife and I had to walk through some real difficult years as I was uh, trying to allow the Lord to uproot some of that that anger, that selfishness, that pride, that lust that was still just hidden deep within. 
But in the process, I remember this one conversation. Uh, my wife had uh, flown back to Poland to visit with her family, you know, get, to have that time with her family just to be renewed and rejuvenated. And I remember towards the end of that time, could I really set my, my face like a flint to seek God, to cry out to him for mercy. And, and I was trying to walk in this measure of authority that God had given me as a son. And something began to happen in that process as I was just seeking God, crying out to God. But I should begin to exercise the authority as a son in the place of prayer. And then I remember on the phone, I'm talking with my wife, Annetta, and I uh, said, Sweetheart, let me pray. And I should begin to pray on the phone. And when I finished praying, there was this, this silence on the other side. There was just this, this, this silence. And after about five seconds, my wife says to me, says, who are you? And those were the best words I've ever heard after, after her yes when I proposed to her. But, but something was happening in my heart. And you can hear when somebody prays that there's a measure of authority that they're praying and they didn't pr maybe have before. And that's what she was hearing in the spirit. And it was because I was making choices in, in my life that reflected the heart of God that reflected the purity of his heart, the burning holiness of the very essence of God. And I was making choices in my mind, my emotion, my will that aligned me to the true nature and character of who God is. And when you begin to make those choices, things begin to happen in you. Are you hearing me? And so, so God was getting a hold of my heart. Because I want you to hear this. I don't know your story tonight. I, I don't know where you are. You could be on your deathbed. You could be in a place where it seems like you have so much depth that you're, you're just being swallowed alive. But I want to say this. If you're a son or daughter of God, you have been given authority. And because you've been given authority, you have a choice you could be like me at that time and seeing where you were ensnared by sin and you felt like you were a victim you feel like you could not get out of this this entanglement of sin no that's a lie you have a choice you have a choice that's what authority in Christ points to is that he says you have a choice because ultimately when we look at the big picture of authority that I shared that story going back to the garden the, the question that 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 comes to the forefront when we talk about the subject of authority is who is in charge and obviously the the serpent wants to be in charge Satan he wants to slither his way into your into our lives and try to usurp the authority that God has given us through Christ we're not going to allow that. We are not going to allow that. And so there is a process. And I used the term earlier talking about Reese Howells. 
the dealings of God, where God deals with us to the very core of our being. And this can be painful. It can be hard. It can be lonely. But I'm telling you, it's worth the journey. It's absolutely worth walking through the dealings of God so that he can conform you and I to the very image of his son. So that when, so that our, our thoughts, our emotions, and our will reflect the beauty and the majesty and the splendor of Jesus. Ah, oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I'm sorry, I'm just trying to... Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. First John 3, 8. This was the verse in the midst of my darkest hour in terms of walking through the valley, the shadow of death, was the verse that God gave me. It was the verse that the Holy Spirit spoke in my heart in the midst of some painful, painful times. It was... It was the verse that was spoken deep in my heart where I felt like I had no choice. But again, that was the lie. That was the lie the enemy was trying to tell me. Do you know what that verse is? First John 3, 8, anybody? You want to know? First John 3, 8. The Son of God was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. Now, don't tell me Jesus is not about butt kicking. <laughs> Man, I mean, that verse, think about it. I mean, 1 John 3, 8, the Son of God was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. I mean, Jesus didn't come to play, you know, a uh, little, I mean, I don't know, little little games. No. He came to destroy the works of the devil. Now, when I read that verse, 1 John 3, 8, it probably would have been somewhere, I mean, I'd read it before, but, but it came alive. Probably around 2004, 2005, when I was walking through that extended dark time. And I just, I, I, took that verse and I memorized it and I began to meditate on it and just chew on it. You've ever taken a verse and you just, you just memorize that thing, you read it over and over and you pray it before the Lord and just it just begins to saturate you and you find something begin to shift in you because you're coming to agreement with God concerning his word and you're beginning to exercise your what? Your authority. And so something in me just began to slowly shift as I begin to align myself with the Father's heart in terms of his thoughts, his feelings, and his will. 
And I found myself, it's like what Paul wrote to uh, Titus when he says, the grace of God teaches you to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. It was like my yes to 1 John 3, 8, I began to have this resounding no to the things of the world and of the flesh. And I just begin to say yes, yes, yes to him in the secret place. And then wherever, whatever I was doing, walking out in my life. So, so you and I have a choice in the grace of God. You have a choice. And you may, my goodness, you might feel like the weight of the world on your shoulders. But you have a choice in the grace of God to exercise your authority, your place in the garden to say yes to him. So your if you and I are called to be like Jesus, Jesus was about the Father's business. And the Father is in the business of first John three eight, Father and Son, destroying the works of the devil. And so wherever if there's any slither of darkness that's lingering in your soul, may the Spirit of God tonight bring conviction, but also a sense of faith and hope and love. You begin to take authority over whatever that area of that slither of darkness in your soul might be. Because you are called of God to walk out, First John 3, 8. So t- my first question to you tonight is this. Are you willing to partner with Jesus and to destroy the works of darkness? Amen. Yes. Thank you, Father. I'm going to share another verse from the same epistle. Seems like I was getting a lot of good nuggets way back in that time frame, that, in that season of life. But another verse from the first John that, that, that was absolutely life-changing was 1 John 1, 9. Now keep in mind, the struggle that I was going through at that time and season was intense. We're talking like a daily struggle. And so it wasn't something that uh, was every six months or every year. We're talking about something day in, day out. I had to gird up the loins of my mind and take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. So First John 1, 9 was an absolute pivotal verse for me in my journey. And it is a verse now that I use whenever I meet face-to-face with a guy and he wants to, you know, he shares his story and is in a place of struggle and needs some deliverance and, and, and needs some basic building blocks to walk in a life of purity 
This is the verse I, I, I require of that person to memorize. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. You see, that verse shouts, you have a choice. You have a choice because you have a choice to what? To confess your sins. And so I take every guy through that verse and I, I just work with them. I say, what? You, I said, you need to go before the Father and you need to confess whatever you choices you made previously that were not in alignment with the Father's will for your life. You need to repent of that by confessing it before the Father. And you need to have a measure of faith to believe that when you bring it before the Father, that He hears you. So they're, they're, it's like, you know, when you, let's say uh, you haven't been to the weight room or, or to the gym in a very, very long time. When you get in there, you're probably going to be like, you know, you're not going to be putting on 200 pounds. You're going to have to start like, you know, 25 pounds. And so likewise, in, in, the, in the spiritual sense, it's like you have to build your faith muscles and, and what happens in this process of 1 John 1, 9 is they begin to confess their sins. They actually believe that God is doing something that moment, that he's hearing them as they're confessing. And it begins to build faith muscles in the heart. But it doesn't end there. Like when I'm talking with the guy and we're walking through that process of confessing that those specific sins. And we get specific because we want the blood of Christ then do the second part. And with the second part, it says that, that, that um, if we confess our sin, that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. So by faith, we receive what? His forgiveness. By faith, we receive it. But then we also have, you know, we're just like working the bicep muscle. We receive it by faith. Then we go over here and we work the tricep muscle. And that is the cleansing you're not just forgiven. You receive that by faith. You're now cleansed. You receive the cleansing by faith. And so you're getting a, a double workout, the bicep and the tricep. Now, now, I haven't worked out in decades, so don't look at my, my arms here. But in the spiritual sense, in the spiritual, you're working out those faith muscles. And something begins to happen as you're exercising your authority as a son or a daughter of the Lord in that place. See, the Father absolutely loves to reach deep into our lives, even when we're down in the slimy pit. And he loves to yank us out and just loves to deal with us in a way. He begins to walk with us through that process to develop those faith muscles in a place of authority, we begin to walk in a greater revelation of the authority that we have as sons and daughters before him. So you might not be in that extreme place of bondage as I was 15, 16, 17, 18 years ago. 
but you might be in a place where you're vexed. Your soul is vexed. You might be in a place where there's this ongoing heaviness that you need in the grace of God to fight through. And I believe that when we begin to partner with the Holy Spirit and to agree with Him concerning what He says about us in the Scripture, in the Word, it enables us to begin to build up our faith muscle in the place of authority. So your, your verse might not be 1 John 1, 9. You know, you might have to start off maybe, maybe, uh, maybe Luke chapter 10, verse 19. I've given you authority to trample on the snake and the scorpion and nothing will overcome you. But whatever your verse might be, you want to land in that verse. You want to begin to exercise that verse so you can begin to walk in the revelation of the authority that you have as a son and a daughter of God. So my question to you tonight, do you want to exercise your, your faith muscles to begin to walk in the authority that Christ has for you? Yes. And so, as I bring this message to an end, I want to I want you to understand that there are moments that you make a choice in the grace of God where you say yes before him. And it's almost like, it may seem like in the moment, just a little, a little yes, a little weak yes. But that yes can resound for all of eternity. That one yes is like the one first step towards walking in a greater measure of what God has for you. So do not ever underestimate your yes before the Lord when he invites you into this place to experience a greater demonstration, a greater expression of the authority that he has bestowed upon your life as a son of God, as a daughter of the king. And so tonight I want you to hear that because I, I felt like I was supposed to weave in that, that thread of that your one little yes. And there's so much more rumbling around in my, my heart. But I want to close, actually, with, I want to read a devotional that I wrote about six years ago that, that sums up what I've said tonight. And I want to use that as my closing here for us. And then 
I'll let Pastor David come up and, and close as he sees fit. Now, in this particular devotional, I'm, I'm talking about a friend of mine that was a fellow campus pastor with me back in the late 90s. As Matt Park drove home from the grocery store at night, a long snake slithered in front of the car. He had a split second to make a decision, swerve or run it over. Easy decision. He hated snakes. So he ran it over. As he drove off, the snake was convulsing when he peeked in his rearview mirror. Cool, he thought. I'm going to let it die in pain. As he continued home, a thought surfaced. I need to take care of business. Immediately, he made a U-turn, followed by another U-turn, so that he could put it out of its misery. As he aimed both passenger side wheels, he heard the satisfying thump thump as he ran over the snake. However, as he glanced back, the snake was coiled in an attack position. <laughs> oh my goodness, he blurted. How many times am I going to have to hit this thing. Once again, he retraced his previous tracks. A debate ensued in his mind. Do I go real fast and then try to skid on it or ultra slow? Either way, I don't want it to get stuck in my tread and cause my garage to stink. Matt's quite the hoot. He opted to go medium speed over it with the front tire while slamming on his brakes to skid over it with his rear tire. Thump, screech. He took care of business. He crushed the snake. What about you? Is there some business that you need to take care of? At a young age, Jesus voiced these words. Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Luke 2.49. What was his father's business? I'd suggest that the answer tucked away in the very first prophecy uttered in scriptures. The father prophesies to the serpent, the father of lies, after he deceived Adam and Eve. I want to highlight five words from Genesis 3.15. He will crush your head. Within the prophecy, the father acknowledged that Satan would bruise the heel of the Son of God. Yet Christ would legally crush the head of the ancient serpent, who is the devil, according to Romans 20 verse 2, as a result, he's a defeated foe. The father's business was to destroy the devil's work. First John 3, 8. Exercise your Christ-secured authority today 
to destroy the devil's work in your life and those whom you're called to reach. Here's a final key worth seizing. Though his heel was bruised, Jesus crushed the headship of Satan at Golgotha, the place of the skull. Tonight, you can come in agreement with the word of God concerning the very first prophecy that you can enforce the victory of the cross and crush the work of darkness in your life and in the lives of those around you. I believe your yes tonight will begin a new chapter in your life as you are mantled in Christ as a son and a daughter of God in a place where you exercise your authority. Amen? Well, let's stand up. I'm going to pray a blessing, and then Pastor David is going to come bring close. So, Father, right now, I just thank you for this moment. God, I thank you for every yes in the heart of each person in this sanctuary and listening online. God, we thank you for the yes that you have enabled them to utter, even in a place of weakness. But Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you that you cause us to desire you, to desire to walk in the fullness of what you have destined for our lives. We acknowledge the dealings of God, the work of grace in our life. And we just say thank you that we can even just utter yes to you. So, Father, right now, I'm asking by the Spirit of God that each person standing would be mantled afresh in Christ through the revelation of the Holy Spirit concerning their authority as sons and daughters of God. So, Father, right now, cause their hearts to be enlarged by your Spirit to receive this fresh deposit as you mantle them in Christ to walk in their Christ-secured authority. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been Unquenchable Love with Brian Francis Hume. Join us each week as we pursue God's heart for passion, purity, and prayer.